And good afternoon again from Maui, Hawaii. It's the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. My name is Michael Benner. One o'clock on the West Coast, four o'clock in the East. It's 20 hours GMT. And uh, good to be with you. I uh, appreciate you coming to uh, this event and joining us. And our topic, always having something to do with personal and spiritual development, uh, growth, uh, success, and fulfillment. And uh, empowerment is another word we like a lot. How do we empower ourselves? Well, uh, every week we do a different theme, and today I thought I'd just talk about the whole nature of meditation. It's 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 a huge field. It's hard to find uh, more than a handful of people that could agree on the topic or different aspects of the topic. And that's fine. We're not really looking for agreement. We're looking for the wide range of practices. And I'll overview that for you this morning and uh, talk about the how-tos of meditation so that for those of you who are experienced um, and advanced or intermediate meditators, there will be something in here for you. And if you've never meditated in your life or are somewhere in the middle, uh, you'll find some value in this presentation this morning as well, I believe. And so I'll do a presentation in our normal format. I'll do a little uh, instruction here. Then we'll go to the telephones, um, your questions, your comments, better said. Uh, again, those of you on the web can submit those questions, those comments at the bottom of the page. If you're listening on a telephone, unfortunately, we have to mute you out. But uh, you could always email me later. Uh, anybody who would like can reach me at uh, my initials at my name dot com, mb at michaelbenner.com, anytime. I also have a telephone number with uh, an answering service set up 24-7. You can call anytime um, and leave a voicemail message, and uh, I'll get back to you. That's uh, in the 818 area code, same number I've used for years, 569-3017, 818-569-3017, if you ever want to leave me a, a, a telephone message. Remember, in addition to these uh, seminars we do every Sunday afternoon, there's also the uh, premium podcast that Steve and I do. We'll talk a little more about that at the end of today's program. That's just 99 cents a week, less than $4 a month for a really cool podcast with both Steve and I in there. And uh, though I don't mention it much, I uh, was reminded this week to, to mention that I am doing telephone counseling <clears throat> here in Hawaii. Coaching, mentoring, counseling, training, whatever you want to call it. Um, I even do guided imagery over the phone with my private clients, much in the same way I do it here in the class. So uh, let me hear from you if I can help you or someone you know and care about in any way at all. Okay. So, Let's get to it here. Roll up our sleeves. What in the world is meditation? Meditation is a practice of turning one's attention away from physical senses and sensations toward a more internal and personal sense of existence in a given moment. 
many ways, it's um, it's turning your attention from the external world, the physical world of appearance and separated form, to an inner world, an interior landscape that is much more personal, much more subjective, and many spiritual people would say much more true and much more real. In fact, I think a place to begin is to consider that there's two kinds of reasons, two categories or general groups of reasons why one would want to do this. Why would I want to meditate? Why would I want to close my eyes and relax and look at this interior or transcendental landscape? Well, there's basically two reasons to do this. One is to receive and uh, to sit receptive. The other is the complement, to be causative, so to speak, um, to, to manifest and to refine that which already exists. Now, generally speaking, the word meditation is used in most cases to refer to the former and not so often to the latter. In other words, most meditators are familiar with the concept of sitting open and receptive, but I would say far fewer are aware of the concepts, or perhaps their teachers have told them not to be interested in using these very same levels of mind for manifestation, for what many of us now know as the law of attraction, the impact of that movie is so powerful that uh, self-hypnosis and hypnosis and magic and occultism, all of that super positive thinking of visualizing goals and, and solutions and, and desired outcomes. Many people don't think of that as meditation. They call that, again, hypnosis or ideally self-hypnosis. I mean, also, all, all, let's be clear, all hypnosis is self-hypnosis because there's no level so deep that you lose your free will. There are even a number of meditation teachers who should know better who advise people never to practice self-hypnosis because you're turning your mind over, or never practice hypnosis anyway, because you're turning your mind over to an operator. It's not true. You always have free will. And meditation teachers of all should know this. Uh, I'm not sure what this pettiness is that we find in the field. It's, I think, real important for people to begin to, well, if not unify, certainly harmonize these practices so that we can understand, at least in the simplest way, that life is a two-way street. And when you meditate, it continues to be a two-way street. You can use meditation to in a sense, open your mind, these internal channels of communication, to receive insight and understanding, and yet you can also use these very same levels of mental focus and relaxation to project, if you will, or to cause to be a vibrational magnetic field that, according to the law of attraction, brings to you those forms that you wish to manifest. 
creating circumstance, for example, as well as we think of magic as creating objects, you know, woof, and there's a cloud of smoke, and suddenly the object that you wished for appears. Well, that's great for storybooks. In fact, it works more like a conspiracy of circumstance and relationship, and what might sometimes look even like coincidence uh, to help bring that about. But the ability to use consciousness in these meditative levels to manifest form and also refine form to improve the quality of something that already exists is at the heart of what we're talking about here. And in both cases, it's the self, the true self, that we hope will benefit from both of these practices. Sitting receptive so I can get more insight and understanding into what? Into me, into my existence, into my unique little corner of the universe. Uh, it almost goes without saying, and that's why I'm saying it, <laughs> to point out the importance of of understanding that it's always got to be about us. You don't use meditation to understand other people. You use it to understand yourself. And that's a very important shift. Normal consciousness, when we're conflicted, when there's adversity and friction in our lives, uh, we go into a very high brainwave frequency state, a high beta state, and we obsess on the enemy. We obsess on other people. We obsess and fixate on the things that are external to us. Meditation by its very nature, the breathing, the letting go of muscular tension, the feeling of relaxation, and I'll review this carefully in a minute, it just creates an awareness of self, of the true self, um, that is like, I don't know, bringing a pair of binoculars into focus you suddenly can see okay or maybe finding the right channel on the remote control and you're clicking through all the channels and suddenly you find the one you're looking for bam it just snaps in there it is and uh, the same thing with self-hypnosis or the causative side the law of attraction side of meditation the manifestation and the refinement of form it's got to be about you the, the character that we seek to change in the world is the self. You can't use magic and manifestation to affect other people other than through the changes that you bring to the party. Okay, So it's always about you, whether your goal in meditation is to sit receptive or to be more causative in what you manifest in the world or even a little bit of both. It's got to be about you. Those are the two primary reasons that anybody would meditate. Uh, again, whether we call it meditation, contemplation, introspection, reflection, uh, or, or something more along the lines of hypnosis, self-hypnosis, biofeedback, uh, some technique from accelerated learning, sports psychology, stress management, progressive muscular relaxation. Uh, isn't this amazing? Martial arts, yoga, uh, all of these fields are doing the same thing. 
And yet practitioners don't seem, in most cases, to be interested in what others are doing with the very same states of mind, the alpha brainwave state. Now, before I talk about brainwaves and the way in which all these practices are variations on a common theme, we've talked about the two primary reasons or groups of reasons for doing it, receptive and causative, uh, as meditation to receive understanding and insight and expanded awareness about you and your life and why you think and feel and act the way you do. And then the self-hypnosis, again, is more of the manifestation and, and, and the refinement. This is where we project a magnetic field that attracts vibrationally in the spiritual, like attracts like, and, and opposites repel. So you, it's like finding the right note on the piano and the snare drum vibrates all by itself. Sympathetic oscillation or vibration. That's really the concept here. So let's go to really the three primary steps in any meditation or self-hypnosis process. Three messages really from the conscious mind to the subconscious mind that uh, we're going to do something very different, something something that uh, we don't usually do. The first is we're going to close our eyes. Now, it's not essential or necessary that one close their eyes to meditate. There is such a thing as an eyes-open meditation. Uh, there are uh, walking meditations, in which case it's a pretty good idea to have your eyes open if you're going to be walking. Um, there are many things that we do, uh, artistic expression, maybe working in, in the garden or we're doing crossword puzzles as a kind of meditation for you. But what happens when we close our eyes is that brain activity is reduced substantially. I've seen numbers that suggest that as much as 86% of brainwave activity is eliminated. Brain activity is reduced by 86%. Just when you close your eyes, I mean, think of the information that the brain is processing the whole time your eyes are open, 18 hours a day or whatever. That's an extraordinary amount of information, even if you don't think that it's all that meaningful or all that important or all that relevant. Well, close your eyes and you find out how meaningful and relevant it is. Um, and yet, it's about the external world isn't it? It's not about you. It's about circumstances and events and relationships and that which is outside of you. Physical sense and sensation. So, especially if in response to any kind of anxiety or stress we close our eyes, that's a message that we're sending to I'll say the subconscious mind Hopefully we can use a term like that with this group. The conscious mind, talking to the subconscious mind, and basically saying, look, um, I'm really stressed. I'm pretty anxious and nervous. I'm a bit wound up. I don't really know why. But it's not about danger in the outer world. You see, I'm closing my eyes. And so subconscious gets, oh, Michael is stressed. He's worried about something. 
but it would it must not be dangerous physically or he wouldn't be closing his eyes my god his eyes would be opened and his pupils would be dilated if there was any danger here next thing we do is slow deep breathing part of any meditation is to close your eyes and then take a few slow deep breaths conscious breathing there's much to be said in the field of yoga for example about the energies that become available the prana that is in the sun and the breath that you breathe about the kundalini at the base of the spine and how it rises during meditation to open the various valves or chakras um, that have touchdown points along the spine and so on and so forth but for now just consider that slow deep breathing creates a sense of safety and relaxation and that's like the second message that you're not in danger I'm closing my eyes and look at my breathing my goodness if if the stress that I'm experiencing were about any real danger not only would my eyes be open but I'd be breathing really fast and heavy rapid shallow breathing I might even hyperventilate if I did it long enough without running or jumping or exercising okay fight or flight and then the third message is the letting go of physical tension part if you relax muscles especially as you exhale those slow deep breaths that's a third message to the subconscious mind higher self conscious mind speaking to the autonomic parts of the body that says basically you don't have to go to fight or flight this is not about real danger look I've closed my eyes message number one my breathing is slow and deep couldn't be any real physical danger out there and thirdly I'm letting go of muscular tension three messages I'm closing my eyes my breathing is slow and deliberate and I am releasing muscular tension three messages to the subconscious that this is not about anything external there's no danger here I'm really quite safe and relaxed I can safely turn my attention to a more personal a more subjective an inner landscape if you will of my sense of existence and reality okay I think that helps a lot the next thing I want to talk about is the nature of induction because I'm really surprised at how many so-called practiced meditators uh, don't really honor the transition from normal consciousness into a meditative state a lower brainwave state again brainwaves I'll touch on in a minute most meditators will sit down and just begin to meditate and if you interview them and they're candid with you they'll say oh yeah well there is a transition period it takes me a couple of minutes to feel like I'm really there well in in fields like self-hypnosis and hypnosis we we call this transition the induction and we honor the transition and I think it's a great idea for all meditators and, and practitioners of some sort of closed-eye relaxation process to pay attention to the transition to have perhaps a special technique that we use to uh, 
to move from normal consciousness into these inner reflective states. Okay. Um, now, how you do that is up to you. <clears throat> For many people, it could just be to focus on the breath. Breath watching is an ancient um, and, and valuable, very powerful technique to simply watch your breath, whether it's a mundane meditation or even a more advanced esoteric meditation. The use of the breath to create a concentrated, focused attention into the present moment is a very important concept. Some people will use numbers, um, chanting, um, repeating a word, a mantra, or it could just be a word as simple as the number one, to say a one repeatedly, or each time you exhale, say the number one, or God, or love, or peace. Or it could be some Sanskrit mantra that you've learned along the way, like Om or um, Om Mani Padme Hung, um, repeating what, to your mind, is a nonsense set of syllables, but which, according to the ancient masters who devised Sanskrit, carries a very specific vibrational frequency along with it. There's also visualization exercises like imagining yourself walking down a staircase. Some people like a spiralic staircase and feel yourself, whether you're doing the narrative for someone else or for yourself, feel yourself moving deeper down the staircase with every step becoming more and more relaxed, going deeper. And, and whether you do this narrative again only for yourself internally or for another person, it's real important that you make the transition, that you start out, again, whether you do this out loud for another or silently and internally for yourself, start out at one level or pace and then go slower and slower and slower and slower to increase the effectiveness of the whole feeling. So. Let's say I'm just doing my own internal narrative here. I might say to myself, okay, I'm going to count from 10 to 1 as I walk down the staircase, going deeper and becoming more relaxed. And oh, A few moments from now, when I finally reach the number 1, I'll be much deeper than before, much more relaxed. Here we go, 10, going deeper, deeper, 9, more and more relaxed, 8, feeling myself going deeper and deeper, seven, more and more relaxed. You see what I'm doing? Slowing down, increasing the space, as if you're proceeding down the stairs, is taking, uh, is, is going slower and slower and slower. You really feel that change inside not deluding yourself, you're really just calling attention to the fact that things are slowing down. What? Well, primarily brainwaves. You can tell how anxious I am to get to the brainwave bit here. But consider the transition, whether you call it an induction or that's just my process. When I meditate, it always takes me a couple of minutes to go deeper. Uh, visualizing a beautiful place of perfect peace 
um, I mention because it's one of my favorites. You hear me do it a lot. For, for every physical sense and sensation, we have a corresponding imaginary sense. And as we turn away from the physical sensation, I close my eyes, for example, but then I open the third eye. I use my mind's eye, my ability to imagine seeing things as a form of visualization or guided imagery. As I turn my attention away from the sounds I hear outside, I imagine internally hearing the sounds of birds singing, of uh, the wind in the trees, of, uh, of smelling the fragrances of this beautiful place of perfect peace, uh, this paradise, this Eden that I'm moving to. I feel the gentle warmth of the sun and the cool breezes when I move into the shade or the dark forested places of enchantment and wisdom. And, and you just play around with your imaginary senses, creating the kind of internal landscape that is um, most supportive of insight, understanding, and expanded awareness. And remember, it's always about you. We do this to better understand, to know and grow who we are truly, not just the ego, but who we truly are. Okay, uh, having gone through these points, let me finally get to the brainwave bit, because there are so many corollaries between uh, physical conditions that vary as a function of tension and relaxation, that it's hard to choose just one as evidence that we have made the transition from from high stress and anxiety to a much more peaceful and relaxed state. Um, muscular tension is certainly one. Um, well, let's look at the polygraph. How about that? The polygraph, the many graphs. Okay, you may know it as a lie detector, and why? Well, because and this is another topic for another day. Lying is stressful. Uh, people get frightened and stressed when they lie, and these machines pick it up. It's evidence that we do indeed have a conscience and that we are spiritual beings. Um, it hurts us when we lie. There's a very small group of people, mostly politicians and CEOs who have no conscience, they're called sociopaths. They're often driven to the top, and if they uh, can avoid going to prison, uh, they, they often become leaders of our institutions and our government. Um, their, their, their drive is, is um, without conscience. There is no sense of right or wrong. And um, these are people that could never apologize and... Uh, they have absolutely no interest in understanding themselves better. But this is probably a smaller group than uh, than you might imagine. Uh, hope so, anyway. I have, I, I, the numbers I've seen are real small, like 2 or 3% of uh, Americans are sociopaths or psychopaths, people with just no conscience at all. Um, I don't know the true numbers. Sometimes I think they're a lot higher than that. Depends on how much news I watch. So, and the polygraph or the lie detector, for most of us, lying is stressful. And that's what it's primarily used for. But look at all the corollaries here. Your, your heartbeat is measured because 
Stress and anxiety increases the pulse rate. Feeling safe and relaxed reduces it. Uh, blood pressure, for example, uh, tight muscles, fear and anxiety is carried in tight muscles that constricts capillaries um, that raises blood pressure. So stress and tension can be measured by high blood pressure or low uh, blood pressure. Um, there are uh, a number of uh, uh, similar breath rate, for example. So you have pulse and blood pressure and, and breath rate. That's what the band is uh, uh, around the chest uh, measures. Blood volume in the tip of the finger. The more stressed we are, the less blood volume there is in the tip of the finger. The more relaxed, the greater the blood volume as those capillaries dilate. If you ever wonder why sometimes the tips of your fingers, your toes, or your nose gets cold, it's because you're stressed. And the muscular tension drives that blood into the center of your body, and, and your extremities get cold. So contrarywise, then, when we meditate, when we relax, those capillaries dilate, and we feel the warmth. That's another thing that can be measured by a polygraph, is not only blood volume in the tip of the finger, but the, the temperature of the tip of the finger. Okay, And then lastly, um, although it should probably be listed first, is the brain wave. The electromagnetic signature that's being put off by the brain from conception, well, sometime in utero until death. Um, the brain wave is the new standard for death. It used to be, can you fog a mirror, right? Now we can measure brain waves, almost 100 years now. Uh, in fact, I think it's just a little over 100 years that we've been able to measure brain waves. Well, suffice to say that the brain is a result of uh, electromagnetic responses, chemical responses in the brain, really gives off a radio signal. It's not very powerful. Uh, you need a very sensitive receiver with antenna right on the scalp to receive the brain waves. And, of course, it's not like radio in that you can listen to music or news or sports. It's, it's just like um, static. It's the frequency that we're interested in receiving with, a, with uh, an EEG, an electroencephalogram. It's the frequency because what we find is that the more stimulated a person is, the more stressed and anxious and nervous they are, the more information, the more stimulus that's coming in through physical sense and sensation, the higher are these brain waves and the more scattered and uh, our thinking, the more easily distracted we are. And these upper levels, we move into fight or flight response which is, again, you're in danger, know the enemy, know the world around you. In order to reverse that and know thyself and be true to yourself and discover and develop the essence of who you really are, you would have to feel safe and relaxed. These brain waves have to come down. Okay. Now, there are inexpensive biofeedback devices you can buy. Um, gosh, I had a very effective biofeedback machine years ago that I bought at Radio Shack for $15, and it really worked. Um, there are little bits of uh, plastic that you can buy, put your thumb on, and it measures the temperature in your thumb, as we discussed a few minutes ago, and tells you 
in a relative sense uh, where you are. It doesn't tell you the exact brainwave frequency, obviously, but if it's, uh, you know, if it's black, you're highly stressed. If it's red, you're, you're moderately stressed. If it's green or blue, you're sort of mellow, uh, but not fully relaxed. If you can get into a deep, dark blue, then you're very deeply relaxed. That, that's, that means there's a lot of warmth in your thumb. Okay. That means you've let go of muscular tension in the body and the brain waves drop. So, we sort of choose brainwaves because it's the most impressive of all these corollaries, all these physiological responses that correlate to levels of stress uh, and tension on one hand or deep relaxation on the other hand. And of all those corollaries that we've mentioned, blood pressure and pulse and respiration rate and blood volume in the fingertip and temperatures of the extremities and all of that, brainwaves, that seems most impressive and most significant. So, when we meditate, our brain waves do come down. The good news is you can meditate without evidence of that. Uh, you'll begin to feel the changes in your body. Uh, you'll see the changes in your mind's eye. And uh, you'll become familiar increasingly with the altered state. And that saves you having to go out and uh, and spend uh, even $150 on a, on a biofeedback machine. Uh, or even uh, 2 or $3 for one of these little cards. They're sort of nice to have around. Uh, a big biofeedback machine is hundreds of thousands of dollars and are used by technicians to train the mind, but they're not needed. You know, A good meditation teacher could train the person just as effectively without the machinery. We're just not quite to the place where all of this is understood. Quick story. I... Uh, interviewed on the radio long, long time ago when I was first coming to Los Angeles and I had just started at ABC Radio at KLOS. So I had to have been late 77, early 78. It's hard to believe it was that long ago. And I decided to bring in a hypnotist and a biofeedback technician. I thought it would be fascinating to have them both on at the same time to talk about Meditation to talk about altered states from the different point of view. A hypnotist talking about the altered state, the trance state so-called, um, that is common to meditation, and the biofeedback person doing the same thing. Well, the show was fascinating, but for all the wrong reasons. Uh, these people had no, <laughs> they had no idea what I was talking about. They were so parochial and so narrow in their point of view that neither had anything to say to the other. Um, in fact, the hypnotist, I think the biofeedback tech was just confused. She didn't know what she was doing there. Or what in the world does biofeedback have to do with this crazy hypnosis guy over here? And the hypnotist was, was I think, even more upset. He pulled me aside after the show and railed on me for giving all these hypnosis secrets over the radio. Like, I was supposed to, you know honor some sort of code of secrecy and not spill the beans uh, and undermine his practice. And, you know, I, I, I've always felt, even as a young man, that these concepts are w way too important to keep secret anymore. I understand the tradition of secret societies and, and, and all of that. But uh, the world's in a very, very critical place. 
I just think it's time for the for the truth to be known. People need to understand the nature of consciousness, the nature of suggestibility, the duality of the mind and uh, brainwaves and these basic principles that we talk about every week here on the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School seminar uh, and webinar here. So that didn't go too well, but uh, I benefited from it. I think a lot of people in the audience probably uh, benefited from it as well. So this is basically where I'm coming from, the need for all hypnotists to study meditation and all meditators to understand hypnosis, to recognize the variations and permutations on the theme and know that any time that you close your eyes and relax, brainwaves are plummeting, brainwaves are dropping, uh, unless you visualize danger. I mean, I suppose if you closed your eyes and relaxed or tried to relax and breathe and, and replicate in your mind's eye the same danger that you have in the physical world, not much would change. But the, the idea is essentially to go to a safe place. You know, this is... Uh, this is the way, as Christ said when he said, I am the way. Peace, love, light, relax, be still and know. Recognize that admonition. Be still and know that I am God. What does that mean? Close your eyes and relax, and that can be one of your primary projects. But doesn't it make sense that a technique or a set of techniques called meditation or contemplation, if that could be used to know God, couldn't you use it to better understand yourself? Couldn't you use that same level of mind to get a sense of your emotional feelings and why you feel the way you feel? In fact, couldn't you in a very practical way learn to use these same low brainwave states of deep relaxation and inner peace to do a better job in your homework when you're in school or to solve a real world problem maybe even to find your keys I mean what if what if the next time you're not sure where your car keys are and you start running around frantically looking for the car keys and throwing things around and blaming the dog because we always do. <laughs> the dog must have taken my keys. Wait a minute, I don't have a dog. Oh, well, the cat ate it. I mean, and brain waves are going higher, and we're getting overstimulated, and less and less and less of the brain is available. What if you just took a slow, deep breath and sat down? I know it's counterintuitive, but what if you did? And relax. And the brain waves come down and the number of thoughts competing for your attention, the madness of that monkey mind begins to shift and change. And now there's only ten ideas in your head and now there's only four or five. And now we get down to three ideas or two ideas. Wouldn't it be a lot easier in that state to remember where the keys are? You see? So... If you have a evangelical friend or a born-again friend or somebody that's just superstitious and says, all meditation is Hindu mysticism, and if you do that, you're turning your life over to the devil. Hey, meditation, though used by uh, those seeking 
spiritual insight and understanding has lots and lots of practical uses. It's just a way of clearing your head so that you have focused attention on one thing at a time rather than eight or ten ideas in your head distracting you, scattering your attention. Um, I hesitate to use a gun analogy, but normal consciousness is like a shotgun. And you got lots of pellets scattered over a wide range. None of them have very much power. Meditation is more like the rifle bullet. Bam. Um, sort of a violent allegory, but I think it helps to, to to get a sense of the focus that is available through concentration or just simply paying attention. That's an odd phrase, to pay attention. But uh, that concentration is a relaxation skill most people still don't realize. Isn't that something? Meditation or concentration is a relaxation skill. I also go to sports. I mean, if you played sports, how many times were you told to relax, to shake off the stress and the tension? Okay. And that whatever your goal, to keep your eye on the ball, to hang loose, to shake it off, um, and all these little nervous habits that you see athletes doing, the the basketball player nervously bouncing the ball before his or her uh, free throw, the the baseball pitcher pounding the glove, the the batter hitting his bat on the plate and and stomping his cleats into the dirt and straightening his hat, and all these little nervous ticks that athletes have, the practice swings in golf and tennis and all of that is a way of shaking off the stress and tension that tends to accumulate, and if allowed to accumulate, uh, to accumulate, will degrade the game. Again, relaxation improves the quality of the game, makes you better at concentrating, but also focusing that attention in performance and coordination, strength and power. Tight muscles are not powerful. So if you take that allegory from sports and then apply it academically and spiritually, you have exactly the same types of benefits academically to better understand problem-solving and decision-making, to do better in your schoolwork and, and your efforts at work, and, of course, spiritually, to have the attention, the concentration, and the focus in these states of deep relaxation to get clarity uh, insight, expanded awareness, and a better understanding through an intuitive nature. It's not even logical. The realization in meditation comes intuitively. It, it's it's the dawning of an idea, or it might be the, the light bulb pops on just like that. Or, as I've said before, we could be thunderstruck. There's a great Rudolf Steiner line about the lightning of intuitive insight not only illumines your entire internal landscape, but changes it forevermore. So intuition, when you get a burst of insight and understanding, uh, that understanding changes your perspective uh, forevermore. Okay. Well, let me remind you, if you have any questions, to submit them on the webpage in front of you, provided you're listening live on this Sunday afternoon. So far, I've got some nice highs and hellos. Uh, but no real questions or uh, 
or comments about meditation. And that's okay, too. We can just go right into uh, the practice of, of meditation. Let me acknowledge those around. I've already said uh, hello to Carol in La Habra this morning in Glen out of San Diego, also joining us and saying hi with that uh, little submit box on the webpage, uh, Lorelei in uh, Huntington Beach, and, uh, of course, John in uh, in Pittsburgh. And, uh, okay, good, good, excellent. And so uh, you can add your uh, your name to that list if you want to say hi, or uh, if you have a specific question or comment on meditation, uh, put that in as well. Now, uh, another uh, area of meditation that we need to talk about here are the different the different types of meditation, I guess, or the different approaches to this brainwave state. Um, I think that what most people consider to be meditation, what most people think meditation is, has to be better described as a type of meditation called contemplation. Uh, the, The contemplative, the use of the word contemplation is a noun, uh, meaning one who contemplates, the contemplative. One who contemplates, the contemplative, is a mystic who seeks a union, a yoga, or a communion, a merging experience with the spiritual oneness of all things. And he or she does that by emptying the mind of form by creating first mindful detachment. And then even if they use a mantra, uh, a chant, a phrase like Om Mani Padme Hung, or just Om as Aum, um, or any other Sanskrit mantra, maybe uh, a mantra that was given to them by a teacher, or a Western meditator just saying One, or God, or Christos or love, those, the chanting or the internal silent repetition of these words can create an ascension, an approach that you feel in your body and experience in your mind as light and insight and understanding, a great expansion of awareness. But in contemplation, the 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 ultimate in cosmic consciousness, the ultimate in merging, requires that at some point we drop all of those words for words like thoughts or feelings are really forms. And the spiritual oneness of all things is without form. Um, this gets into the esoterica of what we mean when we say no thing as opposed to nothing uh, seems a little uh, like a riddle but nothing is an empty set zero no thing nothing uh, means there's nothing in there but the no thing is a way that mystics have talked about the ultimate presence of the only 
is a unified field, not a thing, not a form, not a shape. I mean, Einstein should have made it clear, to those who study anyway a little bit, that there's only energy and mass, uh, energy and material stuff. Uh, that's really all you have to work with. and They're really convertible. They're really two forms of the same thing. So we have a universe of things, of objects, of forms, including even your thoughts and your feelings and words that you might use. Those are forms or things that to a mystic would eventually, even though it brings you up toward a sense of oneness, uh, eventually it would stand between you and the ultimate in merging, in yoga, in union or communion. Okay, So this is the what the contemplative does, and a lot of people are confused. They think that's the only meditation there is. And so many people will say, well, I've tried meditation, and I can't do it. And I said, you can't do what? It's like saying, I tried breathing. It doesn't really work for me, you know. That walking thing, I've had some experience with it. I mean, how could you not meditate? It means just shut up and, and close your eyes and breathe and watch what goes on inside your head. And what I hear a lot is, I can't quiet my mind. I tried to meditate. I couldn't get my mind to quiet. Maybe the most important thing I could say to you in this class today about introduction to meditation is you don't quiet the mind to meditate. You meditate to quiet the mind. Okay. The mind, the mind needs training. And most of our minds are not very well trained. Uh, training the mind is not unlike training an animal, a, a little puppy dog to sit and stay. The mind has its own will. It's woeful. It, <laughs> it's mischievous. It, it, it doesn't want to sit and stay. It wants to go and run and jump and get into trouble and, and uh, be inquisitive and curious. And, and that's fine for much of the day. And then there's other times when we want to apply the mind to a task, to solving a problem or making a decision, some purposeful thing like reading or solving a math problem. But then there are these reflective states that we can collectively call meditation. And in these reflective states, certainly contemplation is one kind of meditation, to learn techniques to empty the mind, to unclutch, to let go of these thought forms that we grab onto and hold onto. I mean, again, stress and anxiety we carry in the body is muscular tension tight muscles, that's where those fists come from. You know, a fist wasn't designed to hit something. It's it's evidence of holding on. That's <laughs> that's where it came from. And uh, meditation is a letting go of that muscular tension so that the attention can turn from muscular tension to an awareness of what's going on mentally and emotionally. And as the mind becomes quiet, in meditation, and the emotions become more tranquil, there is a feeling, an awareness, a set of information, though subtle and quiet, that stands, that remains, that stands above these quiet thoughts and tranquil feelings. So this would be the process 
of meditation. Um, I just want to make the distinction that there are many other kinds of meditation than contemplation. And to believe that the only way to meditate is to contemplate or completely empty the mind is to have a grasp on one central part of what meditation is about. But you're ignoring all of these other really valuable approaches. We've already mentioned chanting or mantra, whether it's a phrase or a single word. Um, the use of uh, guided imagery and visualization is very, very popular in the West because it's really goal-oriented. Westerners, we, you know, we like to be goal-oriented. We like to move from A to B, and uh, then you finally get to your destination. You set a new goal. Uh, Eastern philosophy, generally speaking, people tend to be more comfortable right where they are in the present moment. And, and we could use a little of that in the West, honoring that your life will unfold even if you do nothing. This this stuns people in the West to be <laughs> to realize from time to time that uh, their life will continue to manifest and and unfold and 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 happen to us even if we don't work at it. We 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 think we have to earn a living and uh, make a life for ourselves. And if we wish to, that's fine. But you don't have to. The Buddha says in the spring, the grass grows. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to plant it. You don't have to water it. You don't have to put turf builder on it. Uh, for millions of years in the spring, the grass grows all by itself. So do you. Stop working so hard at it. So meditation. Contemplation is the emptying of the mind. Meditation is that and more, including the use of mantra, positive affirmation, well, that's redundant, isn't it? An affirmation is a positive statement or a goal, like I'm getting better and better. I can do this. Yes, I can. Uh, that Obama chant, yes, I can, that's an affirmation. Yes, you can. You say that a few times, you begin to believe it. You say to yourself, no, you can't, you begin to believe that. See, And it can be a conundrum to realize that unless you get a better sense of who is the self that's deciding to say, yes, I can, or no, I'll never be able to do that. I'm so inadequate. I'm such an idiot. I mean, the more you relax, if there's a primary benefit to any any of this, it's to, as I said at the beginning, to better know and understand the true you, the real you, the genuine, authentic sense of self that, for most people, is way in the background, way behind the characters, the masks, and the roles that we play to please other people and earn from them what we haven't been willing to supply for ourselves. Okay, so contemplation is not the only form of meditation. And then, <laughs> in addition to the affirmations, um, the uh, the mantras the words or the phrases that are chanted. There's something called yantra, which is an eyes-open meditation on a mandala, uh, some kind of beautifully symmetrical wheel representing eternity and, and the infinite unfolding of, of life itself. To stare at that yantra is similar to a verbal or auditory mantra. But 
I hasten to go to the guided imagery and visualization. There's not much of a difference between using the mind's eye as guided imagery and using it as visualization. I guess the reason I use both terms is visualization to me is using the mind's eye for the most part to see a static image of a positive outcome, a goal or a solution, a target that you wish to attain. Whereas guided imagery is more of a time-lapse movie in your head. It's more watching the unfold in healing, for example, seeing as if a time-lapse movie, a condition represented in your mind's eye with your eyes closed and you're deeply relaxed of the area of concern in the physical body going from disease to perfect health, making the transition from the malady to um, back to perfect health as a natural birthright. And seeing that movie in your mind is an example of guided imagery. Now, visualization could uh, apply to either. I suppose guided imagery could apply to either. But this is a very important and very powerful technique. Interestingly, in the last 30 years, many, many people are beginning to practice in this, this in the West without understanding what an archaic, an arcane, not archaic, an arcane secret uh, guided imagery was in Eastern mysticism. It was like only, uh, most schools, really advanced students got to know about guided imagery or visualization using the mind's eye. And there was even some distress, I think, when Westerners picked it up as a result of uh, their exposure starting in the early 1970s to Est and Silva mind control and mind dynamics and uh, many of these uh, similar uh, uh, trainings and seminars and whole whole lot of books were coming out at the time, late 60s and early 70s, talking about the efficacy of guided imagery and visualization. So that's pretty well known uh, in the West. And again, it's not superior and it's not inferior to contemplation. It's just that the idea of having to completely empty the mind uh, to contemplate, to use meditation only to know the ultimate, you know, the nature of your existence and your relationship with the absolute that is most divine and most high, wonderful application, but certainly not the only application. You could use it, uh, you know, meditation, uh, especially in the form of guided imagery or visualization in countless situations to expand your insight and your understanding, uh, to give you practical, uh, uh, you know, uh, what can I say, understanding, insight and awareness, uh, options and alternatives and choices for how to deal with this situation or that situation in a, in a very practical sense. You know, next time you have to go to a meeting you don't want to go to, you know, whether it's a job interview or um, a meeting with somebody you don't like or, you know, something negative is going to come down in this meeting. What if you just took five minutes to close your eyes to breathe, to create a feeling of letting go, and just imagine in your mind the meeting going really, really well. 
And any time you get a negative thought, like, well, what if they say this or what if this happens? Well, then plan it out. Account for it and adjust for it. Do your little dream, your little fantasy. And Well, if that happened, I'd say this. And, and you plan it out. You rehearse it. And if you did this a number of times, maybe once or twice a day for several days before you went in, I mean, imagine how much better you would do. See? So this is something successful women and men have learned to do one way or the other. And if you say, well, are you a meditator? They might say, no, I'm not, because I don't practice emptying my mind. I've never really understood how to empty my mind. Now you know that's contemplation. All right. There are other words like introspection, for example, or reflection that tend to be just a little more general in their use. They're not really specific words. Uh, all of it, I think, falls under meditation, even hypnosis and self-hypnosis, as I indicated at the top of the, uh, of the uh, class here today. All right, let me do a couple of uh, a couple of quick little housekeeping things. Stand by. Okay, and I uh, just wanted to see if we have some new people. Patricia in Los, uh, Los Angeles. Hello, Patricia. It's nice to hear from you. And she says, um, one of the things that I use meditation for, this is Patricia in LA, is to contemplate existence, the nature of existence. It helps to put life in perspective. And out of uh, Cerritos, uh, Karen, or no, it's Kareem in Cerritos says hello, and hello to Kareem too. Good, we have a wonderful class today, nice turnout both on the web and on the telephone, and uh, it's a little bit after the uh, top of the hour, so let's do our meditation exercise, this will be easy and fun, and then uh, we'll call it a day for today. So if you find a comfortable place, providing it's appropriate for you to close your eyes and relax right now, get nice and comfortable. Close your eyes. Take a nice, slow, deep breath, pulling in strength and power. And as you exhale, feel the letting go. Ah, like a sigh of relief. Ah. Then do that a second or a third time. A couple of nice, slow, deep breaths. And as you allow your breathing then to fall back to its natural rhythm, allow the body to breathe itself all by itself. Continue to feel the letting go. The sense of muscles relaxing and unwinding, stress, pressure, tension just falling away. And tell yourself silently and internally that you are in charge. Say, I'm in charge of the letting go. I'm in control of the letting go. And you can imagine yourself walking down that staircase, going deeper and more relaxed. And I'll count for you ten to one, but you could do it as easily as you step off ten and begin moving down the staircase, 
going nine deeper and deeper, eight becoming more and more relaxed, seven as you go deeper and deeper, six moving down the stairs feeling safer and more relaxed as you go deeper and deeper. Five, more relaxed, feeling safer. Four, in a few moments when I finally reach the number one, you'll be much deeper than before, much more relaxed. Three, such a beautiful staircase. Feeling safer and more relaxed. Two. Going deeper. Such a wonderful feeling of safety. So relaxed. One. As we step off the staircase. And imagine yourself moving through a set of doors outdoors into the most beautiful garden or paradise that you can imagine. And don't work at it. Just let it unfold in front of you. The feeling you're making it up by allowing it is the right feeling. Just see trees and bushes and flowers and hedges and vines and really big trees and some beautiful ornamental trees and look at this beautiful path that you just meander down this path moving slowly into a paradise of your own making and you allow my voice to guide you as you go deeper into this place of perfect peace this beautiful place of ideal relaxation. And while you allow my voice to guide you, notice how easily you can hear birds singing. And of course, the feeling you just made that up is exactly right. Do it again. Hear the birds singing. And if you listen just a little more carefully, you'll Hear the wind in the tops of the tallest trees. And begin to feel that wonderful feeling you felt before when you were far from the highways and the roads. And even farther from the cities. And mattered less and less what time it was or what day it was. It instead was replaced by just a wonderful feeling of being right here in this beautiful forest or meadow or woodland or prairie or beach, perhaps high in a mountain, maybe deep in a valley. Dream it up. Have some water here, a little lake or a pond, perhaps a little stream spilling down a hillside. You could have magnificent waterfalls, cascades, 
Dream it up. It's your place. And it can become more beautiful and more peaceful every time you return. And then find a spot to sit. And feel yourself sitting as if upon the earth in this beautiful place. As if you could imagine yourself rooted into the earth, plugged into the ground. Imagining how a tree or a bush or a flower or a single blade of grass might feel to be rooted into the common ground of the one life. Feel your connection to the earth as you sit upon it, allowing my voice to lead you in this beautiful, beautiful place of ideal relaxation and perfect peace. At the same time that you feel rooted into the earth, imagine on the very top of your head a kind of a funnel pointing down like an upside-down wizard's cap that tapers into a point at the very top of your head. And imagine that that is a kind of a funnel, a vortex, for a gentle downward precipitation from spirit into matter. The precipitation of spirit, a gentle rain that comes into the top of your head and begins to fill your body with a beautiful light and a feeling already you can begin to feel in your body like a battery being slowly recharged, revitalized, and re-energized. Feel yourself experiencing this revitalization as if filled by the polarities of energy at the base of the spine, rooted in the earth, and at the top of the head, connected to the sky. And you are the medium, you are the middle, between earth and sky, between matter and spirit. And like a battery plugged in on both ends, you just feel yourself gently becoming more peaceful, Your thoughts, without any effort whatsoever, become more gentle, more coherent, more peaceful, safer, and more relaxed. Your emotional nature becomes more tranquil more calm as if the often choppy waters of emotions are becoming 
smooth as glass, like the surface of a glass lake, so calm you can feel it, so peaceful. No more disturbance, just tranquility replacing emotional disturbance in your feelings and your thoughts. Physically still, emotionally calm, mentally quiet, revitalized and energized as if there is a glow or an aura around you that expands effortlessly. And of course, you allow that expansion. You offer up and give away freely this energy. For the more you give it away, the more you receive, and thus you enhance the flow. to hold on to love and light as if it were a possession or needed to be held on to would slow and stop the flow don't you see but to let it go <clears throat> to radiate freely to emanate in all directions to offer up and give away without condition this energy this vitality is to receive even more, and thus you have more to give. And this is how it feels, you tell yourself, to give away what it is you wish to receive in life, to treat others as you wish to be treated, to initiate even your responses, to be the cause in your life more than an effect of it. to bring that sense of radiance that feeling of being revitalized and energized loving harmonious peaceful coherent that is unified and holistic feeling the indescribable feeling of being part of all that is. Resisting resisting the that's not the right word letting go of any attempt that the mind might make to find words for this, let that go. Remind yourself, you don't need to describe it. You don't need to have the words for it. You don't even need to understand it at this point. Just consider that when you let go of everything else, what remains is peace and love.
primary relationship with truth and understanding. This is truth. This is understanding. Peace and love. And when you let go of everything else, this remains. When you let go of everything that is not peace and love, the truth remains. So you don't have to hold on to it. It's the truth. You don't have to carry it with you. It's everywhere equally present. Peace and love. Your ground of being. And so when they say, bring this with you effortlessly, know how effortless it is to be that peace. Even as you move with me now toward the awake state of normal consciousness back into a world that is often frenetic and chaotic, confused, and deliberately and unnecessarily filled with fear. Be the peace and be the love that you've been looking for without any effort at all as you reorient yourself toward the sound of my voice. As you tell yourself that you're about to move slowly, effortlessly, sweetly toward a higher brainwave state with your eyes open, focused out through your physical senses and as it feels right for you, as you feel ready, Take a nice, slow, deep breath. Hold. And as you exhale, uh, open your eyes, wide awake and alert, refreshed, back in the room, feeling fine. And remembering what we just did so that you can repeat it, so you can practice it. And that's really all you have to practice. It's that simple. And, again, we've talked about many different forms of meditation and, and um, different names for it and, and different goals and different purposes or reasons for doing it. But uh, what they all have in common is the safety and the peace and the love. We're so used to thinking of love as an emotion and uh, peace as an absence of conflict and warfare that to go beyond those states and understand the peace and love in a more comprehensive or holistic way is really the goal of all of this. It changes who you are. Instead of looking for peace and safety and love, you become it. Okay. Again, our, our use of words is problematic because words, as I mentioned before, are separated things. Our language is... Um, is rich and wonderful, but our sentence structure is that of a subject acting through a verb on an object. And the verb, the action, always separates the subject and the object. It's a, it's a Western view that is incomplete. It lacks the holism, um, the unification, um, at the very least the harmony of a unified field. And that's what love and safety and 
and peace of mind really are. It's a it's a force field, a unified field. We're we're so mixed up about subject and object in the West that even a word like force becomes a synonym for power, which is a very different concept altogether, like the armed forces. They're not using electromagnetic fields. They're dropping bombs and shooting bullets. Um, that's a misuse of the word force. That's power and very destructive power. Uh, force is a, a magnetic field like gravity or or electromagnetism. And in metaphysics, we'll do programs that detail this in the future. It's very important that we have a, a, a concept of energy as power, but also as force. Um, we see this in electricity, in, in Ohm's Law, for example, where uh, uh, amperage is the volume of the electricity, but voltage is the electromagnetic force, or the push, or the pressure behind it. In metaphysics, we have the same thing. Ideation, ideas, thoughts, our mental nature is an energy, a power. But the forces are emotions and our, and our passions. And above all of that, as consciousness is this unified force, this unified field that we access when we quiet the mental nature and tranquilize, if you will, calm the emotional nature and make still the physical nature, then we become aware of this unified magnetic field, the force, if you will. You know, the force, Luke, the force. I feel a disturbance in the force, this everywhere equally present electromagnetic nature. You know, the best idea in the world is not going to go anywhere. It may be full of power and light, but it's not going to go anywhere if you don't care about it. And above emotional caring is a spiritual longing or caring, a subtle unified field that we can access. That's peace. That's safety. That's love. Okay. That's the single point of stillness. So, hope you enjoyed that. Remember, everybody who meditates is a beginner. So we're always beginners. I've been meditating for, let me see, 74, 30, 34 years now, okay? And uh, I'm a beginner. 34 years of meditating, and I tell you, I'm just a beginner. But if I had begun yesterday and felt like a beginner, I would be just as encouraged and excited. When you don't know what to do, whenever you're confused and not sure what to do, close your eyes, take a breath, and go to your place of perfect peace. Okay, Everything after that is just a matter of practice and refinement. You'll become more and more skilled. But now you've got something to do whenever you're confused and don't know what to do. You may want to write it down and put it on the wall. Whenever I'm confused and don't know what to do, close my eyes, take a few slow, deep breaths, and as I exhale, feel the letting go. Those are the three primary steps. Start buying books on meditation. Start talking to other people about meditation. It is access to the sixth sense, the intuitive nature, to unbounded wisdom and insight and understanding. But the best part of it is that it's just so personal. It's so, it's, the whole universe becomes available to you from your particular perspective. 
this is the self you've been looking for. Okay. Again, I'm always stunned when I hear people talking about how much God loves us or Jesus loves you or the importance of loving God. Uh, just remind you, in, in the Western tradition, the Judeo-Christian Bible says in John, God is love. It doesn't say God loves you. It says God is love, and you're in its image. Everything that exists is love and made in its image. Human beings have a will. We could willfully ignore that, deny it, turn away from it, counsel that which is not love, fear and the ignorance, try to find some kind of power in frightening people. But truth is love and peace. And it's not just that the love you've been looking for is inside you, it's that you are the love you've been looking for. And these are the states of mind to realize that, to, to manifest it and to practice it on a daily basis. Okay. Well, I want to thank you all for listening. We had a real good turnout today. Appreciate it. Remember, the playback is available on my website under teleconference, web teleconference. Just go to theagelesswisdom.com or, for that matter, michaelbenner.com. Click on homepage and then on web teleconference, you'll see the archive of all the past programs. Forward your emails that you get each week to your friends, those anyway you think would be interested in this. I'm not asking you to, to, to do a sales job or to tell somebody that they should listen or they need to listen, but if you have friends who you think are already interested in this kind of personal and spiritual development and empowerment material, Forward those emails. There's, you can do it with your own email program, or there's a little link at the bottom of every one you get that will allow you to forward that. Or just walk them to my website and click on that big button, free newsletter, and that will get you signed up. All I need is a first name and an email address. Okay? You get the newsletter free. You get the webinar free. The archives are all free. And uh, with that, thank you for listening. Thank you for calling. A couple of links in the lower right of the page. You can go to my website. The Ageless Wisdom is there. The audio archives are there as links, as long as you're still on this page. And uh, the big button, Wage Inner Peace Now, will take you to fo- uh, excuse me to FocusedPassion.com, which is the weekly premium podcast I do with my buddy Steve Snyder. And uh, it's only 99 cents and real rich and valuable. I think it's some of the best stuff Steve and I have ever done. We really put a lot into it. And you're going to like it a lot. The Finding Yourself in Paradise podcast, 99 cents a week at FocusedFashion.com. Just click the big button that says Wage Inner Peace Now. And as I mentioned before, on August 28th, we're going to have a big update and expansion of FocusedFashion.com. And uh, it's hard to describe in advance without giving away the secret, but it's going to be so cool. Big expansion on uh, August 28th, so we'll tell you more about that. And if you haven't signed up and you get a friend who wants to sign up, I'll tell you, do it now. There will be a lot of benefits in being on board already once we do that. So between now and the 28th, see if you can get your friends all on board with that. Okay. Again, thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. Have a wonderful rest of the day today, your weekend. And join us next Sunday and every Sunday whenever you can for the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School right here on your very own computer. Live from Maui. Aloha. Be gentle. Love life. And take care of each other.